everybody, and welcome back to another very special episode of the Field Guys podcast. Your home for the greatest sports mind since Alvin Gentry. We are your hosts, Cameron Curran and Max Jensen, and today we are be- going to be doing a preview of the upcoming fantasy football season. Uh, and joining us today, we have fantasy sports writer Chris Robin. Thanks for coming that's, on, Chris. How's that's me. That's me. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, of course. Thanks for coming on. Absolutely. Uh, so when, when did you start writing and getting pretty serious with all this fantasy football stuff? Well, I would say as it stands now, I've been with uh, Cheat Sheet for probably about a year now. And then I bounced around. I wrote for at going for two for, uh, you know, a year or so. And just throughout the years, I would say I got pretty serious about it two or three years ago. But I would go through phases where I would write, you know, and I would I would do fantasy football stuff and I would write for a couple of months. Like I would, you know, people would really uh, like it would pick up steam, let's say, and people would really like it. And then I would just not write anymore because work or, or something along those lines ever happened. So I, I always told myself, let's really, you know, hammer this home, you know, let's really be consistent, keep writing, keep, you know, doing podcasts and shows, never say no, always be on time have manners and see where it takes you. So to a long-winded way to answer your question on and off for about eight to 10 years. Yeah. And this is a full-time job for you? No, absolutely not. No, (laughs) I, uh, uh, I work with mentally impaired adults, uh, coach some special Olympic stuff, Mm -hmm. uh, studying behavioral therapy. So uh, I have a career, I have a full-time job elsewhere that pays the bills and, as it stands now, this is a, it's like a part-time gig. You could say uh, I am under contract with cheat sheet uh, when, you know, writing the, the, the DFS stuff. And I don't know, I, I don't think I've ever told you, but I've told a lot of people, you know, on Twitter and, and social media in general, when uh, this pandemic hit, you know, all the sports went out the window. So there was no DFS. Well, I was able to you know, show my, my versatility as a writer, let's say with, with my seasonal football stuff, my dynasty football stuff, my, my, excuse me, my baseball uh, prospects articles. So I kind of, uh, you know, it's no secret that the guys at the site and Jeremy, the owner of the site says, you, you carried us through the pandemic. You were, you know, you guys were, we were getting traffic in and it was all because of, of your stuff, let's say. So um, it, it's been a wild ride the last, what, eight or nine months. Yeah, I can that's, imagine. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, so you you spend you usually spend a lot of your time making cheat sheets or writing articles or like what what's most of your time spent doing? Most of my believe it or not, most of my time is spent uh, writing notes and my thoughts down on paper. I find that that works the best for me. I know that's a great question because there are so many different almost I don't want to be rude but it's almost the fantasy football community let's say it's really oversaturated in terms of like Twitter and just social media in general and oversaturated I'm sure you know means there's just so much of it and where do you go who do I turn to right so there's a lot of advice and a lot of thoughts in, in, in the process people gives you Basically, for me, it's, it's my thoughts and my notes. I write so much stuff down. I keep my phone next to my bed like we all do at night, and I'll wake up 2, 3 in the morning, and I'll say, hey, sorry, and I'll just like a random thought I had in the middle of the night. So writing everything down on paper 
is what works for me. So I spend most of my time writing stuff down and then trying to translate my, my wild man serial killer notes, you know, trying yeah, to yeah, translate yeah. it, yeah. translate it to, you know, a, a, a word document that people can, you know, understand and, and read. So right. how, how much, how much research are you doing versus going off of kind of feeling or intuition? Well, here's the thing. I, I do DFS stuff, as I've said, like 15 times in the last <laughs> 10 minutes. But so I do the daily fantasy sports stuff. And then I'm, I'm also doing seasonal stuff. So I can answer that question twice. So when it comes to my DFS stuff, uh, I start the night more. Let's say, you know, hockey. I don't know if you guys are hockey fans. You're in Virginia. There's no real hockey around. But let's say hockey, right? The Stanley mm -hmm. Cup playoffs are in full swing, full bloom. You know, the, the slates have locked at, at noon Eastern, my time. So I'll start the night before, 7, 8 o'clock. I'll get my notes done, get everything where I want to be. And then I'll write it in the morning. And then I publish it, you know, 10, 10, 30, my time. So it, when it comes to DFS, just a few hours, half a day maybe. When seasonal stuff is concerned, it's a long slow process that's where people say it's the grind you know uh, i'm working on not to not to shamelessly plug anything but i'm working on my my idp individual defensive player deep dive now i did 50 of them uh i would say in, in april in the beginning of april and now that the season is is coming closer and closer every day every minute you know we're in the middle of august i i'm digging back in i'm doing a deeper dive of a hundred to 200 players starting that now so again it's like a three or four month long process so it depends on, on what you're doing uh what your what your goal is seasonal dfs it, it's all different yeah that's really cool and one thing i noticed in your twitter bio that caught my attention is uh you're a member of the fantasy sports writers association correct so I, yes. I have no idea what that is um could you expand on like how you got involved in that with that and like what that is sure it was that was probably the the biggest step to me in terms of uh, like really let let's as I said a few moments ago let's hammer this home let's stick with it and let's see where it takes you and getting into the the fantasy sports writing association uh, was huge for me you know uh, as as I told you guys before we were live I'm in my mid thirties uh, <clears throat> excuse me I have an undergraduate degree you know and I have all these you know qualifications but getting in the FSWA was probably, I would hang that above my, my bachelor's degree, right? It's just, it's so cool, you know, to say that. And to the, to the average Joe at the grocery store, it means nothing. It's worthless. But, right. you know, to someone like me or even you guys, you know, the mm -hmm. longer we stay in this thing, it's more fun. And you can go to their website. It's uh, fswa.org, I believe. And it's just like, it's like a community uh, of guys and girls, you know, where you can, you're still writing independently and you send everything there and they have uh, awards and, and, and ceremonies and stuff like that uh, every year. I think I've only been, I've only been in there since uh, January or February. It wasn't a long arduous process. I, it was an application you had to send. I had to send, uh, I believe they wanted five examples of writing that you did. And uh, that was a fun fun process. I, I was able to pick five of my most favorite articles at the time, send it in. And uh, it, it took about three or four weeks and, and I got in and I was, uh, I was very happy. So uh, more to come. I, I found uh, the, uh, 
there, there are so many other organizations that you can get involved in. You know, uh, I've put in an application to get pass press box and pass credentials in the NFL and the NHL, but that all went by the wayside uh, when the pandemic hit. Because right. we're talking, I uh, you know the site the site sent my application and for me. I believe in, in February, right around the FSWA application, and we never heard back. And, and that would have been sweet to sit, be sitting in a press box tonight at Comerica right. Park watching a ball game, you know, yeah. chatting yeah. with you guys or, or writing an article. That's a lifelong, lifelong dream of mine. Yeah, for sure. That'd be so cool. So you, you said you write a lot for DFS and also for, for the seasonal stuff. Do you, when you're playing and actually participating in fantasy sports do you mainly focus on seasonal or more more uh, daily stuff well as it stands now uh i focus on dfs more more often than not nowadays i mean i love to i love to write seasonal stuff especially dynasty football stuff or you know dynasty uh baseball stuff but i it's again it's like um I don't want to rub anyone the wrong way. I'm not talking about you two. I'm talking about anybody else that's, you know, in the industry and on Twitter, you know, and social media full time. You know, it's like a lot of these I've seen and I don't know anybody offhand, so I don't know why anybody would get upset. A lot of these people are one trick ponies, if that makes any sense. They know they know uh, dynasty football and that's it where I find it more more relevant to be resourceful in numerous topics you know let's say dfs hockey you know i I write a daily dfs hockey article a dfs baseball article i'm big into uh baseball prospects i can write if you were to email me or send me a dm hey we need you to write about the thanksgiving day parade in a couple months i i would like to think i can do it you know because our our thoughts and our imaginations are, are really all we have when it comes to writing and reading and going live on broadcast with you guys like this. So I, my, my, one of my biggest fears is someone were, were to call me boring, right? My second right. biggest fear would be to be, you know, pigeonholed in a one trick pony in terms of writing. Like, Hey, you want to come on my podcast? We'll talk DFS. We'll talk IDP. Oh, well, I don't really know any of that stuff. All I do is write about, running backs and wide receivers you know so no offense to anybody if it takes it the wrong way it's just my opinion you know I think we're we're best served in regular everyday life the more that we know the more that we're able to you know get involved let's say yeah 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 definitely um and you know you've been writing for a while um do you have like a specific like memory that like you really enjoyed writing about or like a favorite fantasy memory um yeah Absolutely. You guys will get a kick out of this one because as I, when I asked you before we went live, you guys are younger, a lot younger than me. Uh, I don't want to say I could be your dad. That would be weird because we still, (laughs) we got to carry on with the show. But uh, the first time I ever played fantasy football, you know, I just wrote on a yellow pad. Me and my friends got together. We sat around and we just drafted from, from memory. We're talking like 96, 97. I was in middle school Lions were playing at the Silver Dome. Barry Sanders was was the man. Him and Emmett Smith, yeah. Thurman Thomas, yeah. and we would just go around the room when we thought of a guy. Oh, I want that guy. There was no order, nothing, <laughs> and we we did the team. I think we each picked eight players on our team, and then I would I would be responsible Monday morning to get the the Detroit Free Press or the Detroit News and 
use the box scores to tally up our, our, our final score at the end of the week. So nowadays it's nice. Everything is, it's instant. You're watching a game on Sunday and you hit refresh, refresh, refresh. Yeah, and it's yeah. up and it's up to the second, right? Yeah. So my favorite memory would be that, or even younger than that, I'm talking elementary school, the same group of friends. We still friends of the state, been friends 30 years or so. We would write our, our hot takes as, as, as you guys call it now, or bold predictions, we would each write something on a note card and then give it to one of our moms and she would hide it from us. And we wouldn't get to see it until end of the season, right? Uh, Barry Sanders is going to have 5,000 yards and 75 touchdowns. And, you know, we would write the, the most outlandish, the better. And I, I believe, uh, forgive me for not grabbing one. I actually have one uh, around in my office down here from 1994 that me and my wow. friends wrote down. And it's, it's awesome. Just things of that nature. It's really fun. Yeah, that's that, amazing. That's really cool. We should have done. I have a like I have a note card with with hot takes older than the both of you. <laughs> that's true. That's that's cool. Um, but yeah, so we wanted to talk um, some fantasy football um, in this episode. Give give our listeners sort of a a little preview. Um, so when you're going about your draft, um, do you have sort of like a general strategy that you try to go with? Are you targeting maybe more running backs or wide receivers early on, or if you're reaching for, you know, an elite tight end, um, do you have sort of like a specific strategy you try to try to go off of? Well, yes and no. And that's not really helpful to the question you asked. Uh, I, it's got to go year to year, season to season, like what the landscape is, right? Like this year, it's well known that wide receiver is super deep. So you can wait on wide receiver, let's say. But there's also guys, like they joke, I want to do the zero running back strategy. I don't recommend that. So in terms of do I have a strategy when it comes to a draft, I know this might be the, uh, the ho-hum answer. Uh, I, I have to – every draft is different, right? And I have to – I've transitioned more now in my old age where I, I take what the draft gives me, right? So I don't have a plan going into the draft right? I have a plan during the draft. I'll, I'll, you know, I'm a big guy with, you know, setting my cue, you know, being there live, like not auto draft, but setting my cue, let's say, you know, these are the, you know, I'm up in four or five picks and these are the next four guys I want, but all four get drafted right before I pick. Well, my plan is then shot and I'm left holding my hat with two minutes on the clock, five minutes on the clock. So I just, put a general idea of uh, first after I pick, I instantly think, well, where do I want to go with my next pick in terms of my roster configuration, right? Well, if I just went running back, running back with my first two picks, let's see what happens in my third round pick. Did a, did a stud running back uh, fall to me in my third overall pick? Then that's what I'll draft. I don't want to pigeonhole myself into saying like a rigid plan where I'm going running back, running back with my first two picks, then wide receiver, wide receiver. And then when all those guys are drafted, I'm, oh, oh my God, I, I'm going to draft a tight end in the second round out of a, like a panic selection, right. if, that, if that makes any sense. So I guess to answer your question, yes and no, it, it, I, I, I take what, what the draft gives me now, if that makes any sense. And I kind of laid out why, you know, given yeah. if guys are drafted. So. So you said you like to do a lot of daily fantasy sports stuff too. So yes. 
I guess to, to reconfigure the question to fit the daily stuff, would you focus more on spending more on, let's say a running back and then maybe go a little bit cheaper on receiver? Would you maybe spend a lot on getting a player like George Kittle versus maybe waiting, seeing if maybe like Greg Olson is like really cheap too. So what, what's your strategy in terms of that? That's a great question, actually. Thank you for asking. I, uh, I write a, an article once a week during the football season called Bottom of the Barrel where I highlight those really cheap guys because we all know the studs to start. You want to start right. where you used to want to start Aaron Rodgers and well now yeah. CMC and Henry, but you can't build your roster on all those guys. You only have, I think in the NFL, on FanDuel at least, you have 60000 fictitious dollars. So you can't do all that. So in terms of building my rosters – on a week to week basis in the NFL, it's basic for me, it's mainly matchup based. Like I, I, I believe Kittle, since you brought him up, he's always the, the most expensive tight end possible, right. him or Kelsey, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. $7,000, $7,500 range when quarterbacks are in like the eight or 9,000 range. So it's all matchup based to me, but primarily I always, without a doubt, uh, roster two stud running backs. Let's say mm-hmm. El- Elvin Kamara and Josh Jacobs. Boom, they're in my they're in my lineup. And then I go value value wide receiver if that makes any sense, you know. Yeah. So it, it's different week to week. Again, I, I rarely have a plan when I'm building my my DF rosters as a whole. I have a plan like morning of, let's say. So great question. I. I, I don't I don't really don't have an answer for that because it's a it's a tough question to answer if that makes any sense given the prices are always fluctuating and yeah. uh, I, I would say to anybody that's trying out NFL DFS for the first time really really get get into like the matchups and you know we're always going to want to target a bad defense so yeah. do that fill in your roster that way and then see how much money you have left and then well I have $8,000 left and I need a running back oh Zeke Elliott just fell into my lap after I you know built my roster the way I wanted to right and sort of a tangent um I've been getting into daily fantasy baseball um recently my my favorite yeah yeah I love it and I've been doing pretty well um Max did really well yeah it was like my second time I I I won a thousand I got first um (laughs) second game ever (laughs) I think yeah. I should take a cut of it because I'm the one who got it. Got he, he, yeah. he recommended DraftKings. Um, but my, my question, so the ba- I was basing my, my roster sort of on matchups. Um, like, I don't know if you know the, the website Baseball Savant, um, but I would go, go to that website and just look uh, at I was going to mention that. Yeah. Um, so is that sort of the approach you take, or um, are you looking for stud guys like Yelich or Trout? Well, that, uh, another great question. This, this is fantastic. I love having this, this kind of discussion. So I, I was just introduced to baseball savant through Jeremy, the, the owner and operator of Cheat Sheet, where, where I write for now. Before that, I, I'm big on an optimizer. I, I feel like in any and all DFS, an optimizer is fantastic. And, and we have one on the site, which is top notch. And Jeremy who, sorry to keep dropping his name, but he is, he plays baseball daily. We're talking five, 800, 1200 bucks a day. And that's where he makes, that's his full-time, his full-time job is playing DFS. I know it's like, he lives in California. He's got an in-ground pool. It's like a perfect, (laughs) uh, 
a, a perfect commercial, you know, yeah. or a t- testimonial for, for baseball DFS. <laughs> yeah. So he turned me on to baseball savant and little did I know I was already doing the same things because on baseball savant, as you mentioned, you can hammer home, uh, you know, ISO or BVP or mm-hmm. slugging presented percentage. You can pick your picture against uh, how does he do with uh, left-handed bats or right-handed bats. So every day I'm writing a crush spot and I'm doing a lot of research and it's, 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 it's all has been based on Savant recently after getting away from some of the other tools that I've used. So, uh, I mean, trout, you're going to want to start him every day in terms of, of Gallo. Uh, I always start him when he's going against a pitcher who, uh, has, an exit velocity of like 90, like 0.9 or, mm-hmm. or like 1.0 against yeah. left-handed bats. Cause Gallo was a left-handed bat mm-hmm. and uh, exit velocity is obviously it's how fast it exits right. the bat. Right. right. So in, when it comes to guys like Joey, uh, Joey Gallo or even Christian Yelich, I double check and I make sure that some of these stats and, and, and these numbers are like way in their favor before I, I roster him. Again, Trout is a uh, an extenuating circumstance. He's yeah. a stud, best player on the planet. But guys like Gallo, he strikes out a lot. Yelich hasn't had the best start to the season. So uh, guys like that, I, that's what I do. I look at the slugging present, percentage, exit velocity, and again, the opposing pitcher. If a guy mm-hmm. like Michael Fulmer here in Detroit, he's got like a like a nine or a 10 ERA. I mean, well, I don't need to look any further. He, yeah. He's not good right now. Yeah. So. Uh, definitely. But yeah, I guess going back to, to fantasy football, um, is there anyone um, you're looking at that's sort of like a lock for the number one overall pick? Yeah, it's Christian McCaffrey. I'll stop yeah, right I, I there, figured, right? Yeah, that, that, that's even the and I have too. I mean, even in a super flex, obviously super flex, you can start two tight end, or excuse me, two two quarterbacks. Even then, I'm, I'm, I'm not even thinking twice about not drafting CMC number one. Right. Yeah. I, I, I think I was I, – I heard a really – I was a kind of kind of a cool idea whereas someone said if, if Christian McCaffrey doesn't win MVP like this year or in the next few years, uh, there's never going to be a running back who wins it again. No. Because th- no one's ever done what he, he's doing. No one's ever going to do what he's doing. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I this is a stat that like a, one of those pop up graphics that in the middle of a game, even like last season, I'm talking about where they they put the graphic of the la- the last p- few people to win MVP, and it's always a quarterback. It's, it's, it's predominantly it's right. always a it's always a quarterback, and I mean you can't knock what what Lamar did last season or what Patrick Mahomes you know did in his uh, MVP season, but at what point do you say? McCaffrey is, you know, the MVP of the league. He's surely the right. best player in, in Carolina. But and then you get the the guys that argue, well, how can he be an MVP on a losing team that doesn't make the playoffs? And that I never let that cloud my judgment. If you're the best yeah. player in football, it doesn't matter what team you're. Agreed. On. Yeah, I think it's you rarely see a, a running back carry a team, and I, I think Christian McCaffrey gets a lot of uh not a lot of hate but he doesn't get enough attention because he's not a quarterback and i i think he's he's just this anomaly where he's just better than everyone else in the field and you just see that when you watch it so here's my here's my thing if you'll indulge me for a moment so 
you know, Lamar did what he did last season. I, I don't think he does it again this season. He's one of my to not to skip ahead in, in what you guys were, what, <laughs> yeah, what I yeah. want to talk about, but Lamar is one of my overvalued players, but it, it goes, it, it feeds into what I wanted to say. So I don't believe uh, Lamar repeats what he did last season, you know, not to get all, all coachy on you, but uh, defenses are going to catch up, you know, coaches are going to catch up. Uh, Pat Mahomes, he's, he's, he's not slow and steady, but he's a stud. You know what to expect from him. So right. let's say Christian McCaffrey does what he did last season, which it would be a, a, a huge deal. Impressive. And that, oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's, you have to get – he has to be the MVP, right? And I don't care if you have a quarterback who throws 50 touchdowns out of nowhere, you know, this season. McCaffrey has done it two seasons in a row, let's say. So I think that qualifies for, for the old cliche day in and day out. So, right. to, to, you know, to, you know, to hurt – I don't want to say hurt, but to just treat McCaffrey like, like a dog like that would be, yeah. w- would be not good. Not good. For, not, it would be an, It wouldn't be a good look for the NFL. Let's say, and I don't care I if I don't care if Matthew Stafford throws fifty touchdowns or Joe Burrow throws forty touchdowns and rushes right. for ten and has fifty total touchdowns. And McCaffrey repeats, he's the consensus MVP. I, I think I think that was spot on. Yeah, he's, and you actually you created a pretty good transition when we for us kind of falling into a our sleepers for, for this year's draft. So if, if you have the, can you give us like your top three sleepers for, for this upcoming season? Absolutely. I'll start uh, my sleepers. A lot, a lot has to do with their ADP, obviously, because how can you say Alvin Kamara is a sleeper when he's going third or fourth got, overall? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So if you don't mind, I'll start from my lowest to the highest. So mm-hmm. uh, my third sleeper is Raheem Mostert in San Francisco this season. His ADP sits at about 50, 51-ish. Mm-hmm. Uh, people were a little bit, uh, you know, they were on the bandwagon. And then when he said he wanted to be traded, they hopped off. He signed his contract. Uh, you know, they gave him a, a raise. It was pretty quiet, I would like to say. So, but... It, the talk of, of Mostert, Mostert has been, you know, little to known. The dust has settled. So Raheem Mostert in San Francisco, oh, <clears throat> excuse me, real quick, if you look at his tape, uh, I think he had one of the uh, the fastest touchdowns last season. I think that the graphic they showed, he ran like 21 or 23 miles an hour when he hit the, he went off the edge, hit the sideline 23 miles an hour. It was absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. So on tape and numbers-wise, it's Mostert. A gut call of mine next would be uh, David Montgomery in Chicago. His ADP is at 40, 41, 42, uh, give or take. Uh, I've long been a supporter of him and Miles Sanders uh, in terms of David Montgomery for the sake of what we're doing. I don't think that Chicago knew what they had in him. They didn't really use him right last season. And he had, looking into it, he had like 200 and. 40 carries or overall touches 260 240 something like that so uh to say that he they didn't know how to use them well 206 well he had all that all that work and they didn't know what how to block for him what what you know what uh schemes to use him in so i think he has a, has a fantastic year this this season and that hurts me as a as a lions fan in the in the nfc yeah. north here yeah. and my my number one guy who everybody is on they already know what he's gonna do it's kenny g here in detroit uh <laughs> you know he's a top 10 guy in terms of wide receiver 
his ADP is at 26, and, and that's about right. I mean, because if you look yeah. at the other 20 guys, 25 guys ahead of him, we're talking premier players, stud running backs, yeah. stud, stud wide receivers. But uh, to say Kenny G is a sleeper, it, it's, it's, it's not spicy. It's not juicy. It can be debated and argued. I think he's a sleeper because he's going to finish in the top five, top three in wide wow. receivers this season with uh, – right with Matthew Stafford being back here. And again, I don't want to sound like a homer because if I, that's a slippery slope. If you get, if, if you get labeled a sleeper then all your, <laughs> then all your, all your work, all your content, all your broadcasts, they, they're discounted. Cause you're like, Oh yeah, they, 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 he's, he's okay, but he's a homer. So all his stuff is, is nonsense. So uh, I think a lot of people would agree with me that Kenny G's a stud. He is a wide receiver one. And I believe that, uh, uh, he he get he makes his way into the top five wide receivers heading into next season. Yeah, no, yeah. I could totally see that. Um, I guess I'll give uh, three, and I'll I guess get your thoughts on him. Um, my first guy is David Johnson. Um, you know, a few years ago he was like the number one guy going in the first round, but then I think I think that was the year I had the number one pick, and I drafted him, and then. He got I did hurt. the same thing. He like broke his wrist. I was out. Yeah, but you know, ever since then, he's either been off the field or you know not to the level um, he was before. Um, but now I feel like he's on a new team. Got a chip on his shoulder. Um, they gave up a lot to get him, um, so I think he's going to be motivated um, to really do well. And he really doesn't have too much competition behind him. I don't feel like I think he's going to get a decent workload. Um, so David Johnson is my first guy. Um, I also got Stephon Diggs, another guy moving teams. I feel like the Bills wouldn't have given him that large contract unless he was going to be like the number one guy. So I feel like he's going to get a lot of opportunities with Allen. Um, I feel like Allen's going to get better. Um, so I got Diggs in there. And then my last guy um, is a quarterback. Maybe you don't draft him as your number one guy, but more of a backup. I mean, Brian Tannehill. I mean, he did so good last season in the, you know, the amount of time that he played. Um, I think if it was like averaged out for a full season, he would have been like a top five guy. Um, so I think it's definitely worth taking um, a flyer on him late um, for pretty cheap. Absolutely. So um, if you wanted my thoughts on each guy, DJ, yeah. uh, his ADP is at like 31 or 32. And the only reason I keep bringing up ADP because it's, uh, it's a good measuring stick for, you know, value and, yeah. and, and your team, right? So if you draft DJ, that's in the third round. So you're not drafting him as your, your number one quarterback, let's say, if everything goes to plan in your draft or, you know, your prototypical draft. Yeah. You know, normally your first, your first pick, your first round pick is a, a running back if you're an old school guy, right? Mm -hmm. So DJ at 31 in Houston, that's a fantastic call. I, I just want to ask you, have you seen the pictures of him on the field? Uh, he's posted his own on social media. The guy uh, looks like a monster. He was already, he was already big, you know, you know, uh, like a beefcake, but he's, he's cut now. Yeah. And I think you're right. He's got a chip on his shoulder and uh, I, I don't want to get into in a discussion of, um, what do you want to call it? You know, God and faith and everything, but he, he is, a look, he's a man of faith. Uh, I think his faith and the chip on his shoulder, it's a scary combination and it's going to carry him uh, right where we all think and expect him to be. So when it, in terms of digs, I, I, he played in Minnesota. Uh, he, 
we got to see him here in Detroit twice a season. Uh, I'm not his biggest fan, but going to Buffalo, <laughs> that's huge. Uh, as you, you hit it out of the park there, Josh Allen is only going to get better. I don't think we've seen uh, – Josh Allen's best season as a professional quarterback, which is awesome because he had a yeah. great uh, season last year. Diggs is a good call. His ADP is like 64, so we're talking like sixth, seventh round. That's fantastic uh, value there. Uh, again, the guys that you've named here, uh, you're drafting them, and they're not going to kill your team if they don't do well, right? So mm -hmm. that's why I say ADP. And Tannehill, uh, you're like the first guy that I've heard, aside from myself, that's a Tannehill fan. I love the guy. I, I made a trade to acquire him late last season in my, my full IDP dynasty team. And, and I have uh, Deshaun Watson was my starting quarterback. Oh. And he was, he, was, he was give or take. Yeah. But towards the end of the season, I started Tannehill – uh, over Watson and it, it, he propelled me right to the championship game where my 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 absolutely stud defense took home the championship. Did they, they pull it out. Nice. Congratulations. Yeah. Um, all right, I'll I'll give you I'll give you my three sleepers and and see see what you think about them. I have Chase Edmonds who is the uh, the running back playing in committee with uh, with Kenyon Drake in Arizona. He had. He had that one game last season where out of nowhere yeah. he went off for like 40 points and he didn't really do it again. Uh, I believe his ADP is around, if I remember correctly, it's 10th-ish? It's, it's, it's late round. And I, I think Kenyon Drake has yet to prove he can really have a full workload. Uh, and especially with a young quarterback – they're going to be relying on their, their running backs more so than, than a lot of other teams are. So I think Chase Edmonds, we've seen him break out last season. So I, I think if, he, if he's given the chance by, uh, by Kingsbury, I think, I think he can really make, make his move. Uh, then I have Marlon Mack, who's going to be playing in committee in Indianapolis with uh, Naeem, Naheem Hines and Jonathan Taylor. I think he... Before they drafted Jonathan Taylor, I think a lot of people agreed he was at least, at least an RB2, if not a, a lower-end RB1. I think people got scared off when, when Jonathan Taylor was getting drafted. But Mac had over 1,000 yards from scrimmage, had a good amount of touchdowns. I think he'll, he'll still get his touches. Um, and then I think – even if, if they're trying to play Jonathan Taylor, maybe a bit, uh, a bit slower, I think he'll, he'll definitely get at least half the shares of touches behind Taylor. Um, and then for my last one, I have a quarterback. I have Teddy Bridgewater. I think Bridgewater, he's going into a system where he has decent, he has a decent receiving core. He has, uh, a new coach, the, the coach coming out of Baylor, right? Um, and then he has he has CMC there to, to fall back on if he needs it. So That's I up. think Bridgewater has a really, really good supporting cast. And we saw Bridgewater, he was in uh, in New Orleans, and he was playing well while, while Drew Brees was out. Uh, and he while Drew Brees was playing, he was sitting behind Drew Brees, kind of studying, kind of having like a Jimmy Garoppolo-type type season so i think bridgewater is a huge candidate to, to be taken and have a really really good season 
I agree with you. And uh, real quick, I can give you my thoughts on each one if you'd like, Cameron. Uh, well, Chase Edmonds, I love that one. I'm a big uh, Kenyon Drake guy as it stands now. I, I just drafted. I'm in a uh, – what is it? It's uh, the, the Ryder Bowl. It's uh, like the UK versus, versus the United States. And it's a slow draft, and I'm still drafting. And I, I drafted Drake in the third round, right? And when it, in terms of, of Chase – what you said was perfect. I couldn't have said it any better where it, given the opportunity, Chase can, can flourish. He can shine, you know, and uh, we've only seen half of a good season from Drake. And it was last year when he came over to Arizona. Right. And he had, and, but he was phenomenal in his like last eight or nine games. And I could see an instance where Chase and Drake are, they're almost in a, in a committee to start the season. Let's see who, who does what. And I might get roasted and raked over the coals for saying that. And that all has to do with where Drake is being drafted. People are drafting him as a top 15 back. So because of that, nobody wants to hear someone like me say, well, he might be in a committee. Well, we're allowed to have our own opinions. I can have my own, my own thought process, right? Doesn't mean I'm right and you're wrong or I'm wrong and you're right. And when it comes to Marlon Mack in that same Ryder Bowl draft, I just mentioned, I just drafted Mack in like the 12th round. It's absolutely crazy where I was able to draft him. And guess what? Around the turn in the 13th, carry on Johnson is sitting there and I'm thinking about drafting him in the 13th round. So Hopefully no one that's in the draft with me is going to see this, but uh, <laughs> I love, I love the Matt call and you know why? Because in terms of these rookies like Clyde Edwards and even Jonathan Taylor, we literally don't know anything yet. Right. I, I think it was a week after the NFL draft in April. I was so beside myself with people. They were uh, Aaron Jones. He's a bum now since they drafted AJ Dillon. Marlon Mack is a bum now since they drafted Jonathan Taylor and look, we don't know anything. We don't know how this stuff is going to shake out. So until not, I don't want to say until told otherwise, because we've been told till we're blue in the face until I've seen it with my own eyes, that that's the way the depth chart is going to work out. I'm still drafting these guys and I'm still rolling with a guy like Mac, right? When in terms of Teddy Bridgewater, I love that call. His ADP is like 149, so 150. We're talking basically he's free. You're getting a quarterback for free. Right. And I would draft him on merit alone just for the simple fact that he has the best running back in the world behind him. The running right. back, the best running back in the world is backing him up. So why would you not want a piece of, uh, of Teddy Bridgewater? Right. Yeah, definitely. Um, and we, we sort of mentioned this earlier, or we're hinting at it. Um, I guess the next thing we're looking at is overrated players or overvalued players in the draft. So is there a single guy or a couple of guys that you're looking at that are overvalued? Oh, I, I can see the, the look on your oh, face ready to yeah. go in. This gets me going, and I didn't even really have to take any notes, right? So uh, <laughs> you guys sent me the, the screenshot of, of what we wanted to talk about. And I made, yeah, some, yeah. I made some notes, a couple of highlights, yeah. you know. I, as I said in the opening, people know me as a, as a madman. And, you know, I take notes like a, like a serial killer. Some people have said, which is just, it's just fantasy sports. So in terms of overvalued players, uh, I, I hate to keep leaning on this, but I, I, I've written about everything under the sun. So I wrote about an article that, that I got a lot of heat for, but it was great 
because it, it opened up the door to a lot of honest and serious conversations where I mentioned Lamar Jackson, number one, right? He's over, not, not so much overrated, but overhyped. And he, because of his, uh, his draft stock and his ADP to me, he has little to no trade value and, and follow me here for a second. So I'll ask both of you guys. So Max, you own uh, Lamar Jackson. Mm -hmm. Is there a, is there a package or a deal under the sun that you would accept for him right now? If he was your quarterback one, probably not. Okay. So you own him. There's nothing you you'd give up, uh, to trade him away. And in turn, Cameron, you want to acquire Lamar Jackson. And you just heard Max say there's not really much that he's going to give up. So in turn, Cameron, you have to give your entire roster to Max for Lamar Jackson. So do you get what I'm saying here? Yeah. Yeah. He has little, to, he has little to no value. If you own him, Max owns him. Well, he's, he's my guy. He's my quarterback mm -hmm. one and I'm, I'm rolling with him. And a guy like you, Cam, you want to acquire him. There's nothing you can, do or say to acquire him so he has to me that equals he has little to no value right so when we come to being overvalued I wouldn't say overvalued he really has no value and he's being overhyped as as the next uh as as Jesus Jesus H <laughs> on, on football cleats wearing purple in Baltimore uh, and my second guy without a doubt I mean, and I would imagine you guys would agree with me, is Clyde Edwards in, in Kansas City. It is unbelievable. Uh, what, 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 yeah, it, it's unbelievable what people are willing to do to move into a spot to draft Clyde Edwards. And it's amazing what people are doing uh, once, they, once they own him and what they're, what they're getting in return for him or what you're willing to give up for him. And again, not saying uh, Clyde Edwards is an awesome running back. I, I wasn't able to watch a lot of him here. I'm in Big Ten country. I don't see a lot of uh, SEC games. He did play in the national championship game. The kid is, is a stud, let's be honest, right? But again, we, don't, we haven't seen a thing. I think it, it, it reached its peak, like its all-time high when, when D-Will opted out. And that was his decision to make. And so Kansas City was left with who DeAndre Washington, I believe, uh, who they picked up from from the Raiders at the time. Yeah. So I, I get all the excitement in terms of Clyde Edwards. But me personally, I'm going to hold my horses on him for now. And I, that might come back to come back to burn me but it might come back to make me look like a genius and my teams will be, you know, <laughs> in intact and stronger for it. But that's the risk that we, we play uh, when we're, when we're fully involved with fantasy football and dynasty football. Yeah, yeah. no, I totally I've, agree. I've, I've always been, I don't know if this is a fault or a benefit or maybe neither, but I've always been wary about drafting rookies just because they're very unproven. I like to be a little bit, a little bit safer with my draft and kind of, kind of take the people. And I'm actually very similar in, uh, in, the, in the daily fantasy sports and like in DraftKings where a lot of times my, my rosters are looking a lot more like moderately expensive players and then maybe a little bit of a reach, a little bit of a sleeper rather than a lot of studs and then a lot of sleepers. And... I think a lot of times it helps me out because there's always that one rookie 
who pops off out of nowhere and no one's expecting it. And he's amazing. And if you got him in the 15th round, you're like, you're guaranteed to do well. But a lot of these rookies are either average and not worth where they were picked or they don't play well their first season. And it's really more about guessing right rather than trying to predict who the rookie that would pop off is. Because a lot of those rookies who have those insane seasons, it's more of a shot in the dark than anything else. So it's, I, I think people trying to act like Jonathan Taylor or Edward Solaire is going to be the next Barry Sanders is, it's, it's strange to me because yeah, they're great, but you, you, you don't know what they're like in the, in the NFL yet. And here's the thing. I heard it. Uh, I heard this last night on a, on a round table, uh, broadcast I was on and uh, I hate to not be able to credit the guy because it was fantastic but uh, uh, he said us fantasy football players we can literally put a guy on the moon right if if a thousand accounts or a hundred counts whatever start talking about a guy and hyping him up boom he shoots to the top of, of draft boards ADP and we've taken that guy and we've put him on the moon if that makes any sense and I, yeah. I couldn't have said yeah, it better myself so uh we we collected we as a fantasy football community have collectively put put Clyde Edwards on the moon and will it be well warranted I don't know right that's true um, so I guess a guy that I'm looking at, um, who I think is overvalued and I think he's a really, really talented player. Um, I'm talking about Dalvin cook. Um, he's a first round guy, maybe even a top five guy, but he really hasn't finished out a full season. Like I'm worried about the injuries. Um, you know, maybe I have, um, memories of David Johnson drafting him first, <laughs> but you know, I, I'm really wary to spend a first round pick on a guy who hasn't proven that he can stay healthy. I'm not a fan of cook and it has nothing to do with uh, what he, what he has done or not done on the field. I, I just, I'm not into that whole, that attitude that he had when um, I'm sitting out, I want you to pay me. Uh, I'm sitting out who cares. I want my money. Listen, guy, you haven't really done much. You, you've struggled to, you know, stay healthy. You, you blew out your knee. You had one, was it, I should have uh, researched this. I mean, I didn't know ahead of time, but Delvin Cook, he had a fantastic 2019 season. I'm not sure. I don't think he missed many, if at all, games, right? But to to put your team in a position like that, you know, the 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 front office and even the guys that you go to war with on the field to put them in a position like that, where they have to choose sides between management and, and my boy, Delvin cook, right. To put them in a position like that, it's not fair. And I, I don't like that kind of, that kind of behavior. And just for that fact alone, I'm not going to draft him because ultimately when we're playing fantasy football, you know, we're here, the three of us to Saturday night at nine 30, you know, laughing and, and chalk, uh, you know, chatting it up about fantasy football. It's fun. It's supposed to be fun. It's interesting. Right. And I don't always make my decisions based on numbers. In fact, I base my decisions sometimes on gut feeling or, Oh, I, I love the Cincinnati Bengals helmet. So I, I want to draft Mixon. I'm allowed to do that. That's yeah. the beauty of fantasy football, right? We are the, the general manager of our own little team. And as a general manager of my team, I don't want to own cook because I think he's an asshole. He's a jerk. And I don't <laughs> yeah. want, 
sorry to say, sorry to swear, I, I just don't want that hassle on my team. Same, same as, let's say, Amari Cooper. The guy has all the talent in the world, but it's a hassle starting him. Is he going to play? If he does play, is he going to finish the game? So I don't want any of those question marks on my team. So Delvin Cook, uh, I respect you, Max, you know, in your opinion, but I, I don't like him and I'm not going to own him. Yeah, uh, that's a really interesting take and one that I, I don't really hear very often is people yeah. saying, yeah, he's a great player, but the, the question marks aren't even on, they are on his health, obviously, but there are also question marks on is one day he's going to wake up and be like, I'm grumpy, I'm not going to play today, you know? Yeah. And I it, it to me, it, it has everything to do with uh, me just being a fan of football, me being a fan of all sports, right? So when I build my, my fantasy football team, those are guys that I like to draft that I can root for, that I can watch on Sunday, that I can watch on Monday night or Thursday night football. Broken down to its simplest form, I'm a fan of the guys that I draft. I'm not a fan of Cook. I'm not a fan of Cooper. So why would I yeah. want them on my team? My my. My long-term outlook on, a, on my fantasy football season, having fun and being in the mix and being able to, you know, uh, ham it up with you guys is worth more to me than stressing over a, a running back that I drafted third overall and hope, hoping he plays this week. No, yeah. I, I, I'd rather have fun and be able to, you know, chat with you guys, write fun articles and do all that. I, I don't yeah. want to, you know, have someone on my team that I'm, completely disgusted with her hey yeah. yeah, I, I took the same approach with baseball like i didn't take any astros this year yeah, <laughs> yeah. they're cheaters I, yeah. I i i fully support joe kelly and what he did and oh, uh yeah and, and, and his suspense and absolutely and his that meme <laughs> um my uh the the player i have my my overrated slash overvalued player is this one. I feel like it's going to be a bit of, of an iffy one. I have Alvin Kamara as my overrated player. I think there's some, there's some personal vendetta in this one because I had him last year and last year he was not amazing because two years ago he was insane. Fantastic. I just, a, a machine. A 15th rounder, as you put it, uh, yeah. prior in the broadcast. Came out of nowhere. Won, won how many leagues that season? Yeah. Exactly. And then last year, I had a pretty decent pick. I think I was fourth or fifth. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to get him this year. I'm going to get him. I got Kamara. And he's, he's one of those players kind of similar to what you're talking about with Jackson, where I have him, and he's given me, like, sometimes he'd give me, like, 22, but a lot of time I'd be getting like eight or nine points from Kamara. And he's one of those guys where I'm like, I, I can't trade him. You know, like, I, I'm, I'm not, I, I'm going to need a, a lot for Kamara, even though he's not giving me a lot. And other people are kind of saying, sitting there saying, well, I, why would I want him? I have decent running backs who are being consistent with me. And I think Alvin Kamara is one of those, I'm, I'm worried that he had one of those seasons where, he was insane for one season, and then now we're seeing what he actually is, which is a good running back, but is he an early first-rounder, even a first-rounder at all? So I'm, I'm wary, and obviously I think he'll play well. I think there are going to be league in a lot of leagues, he'll be a solid starter, and it'll, it'll be someone who you can say, all right, I'll get okay points from him this week. 
but I I don't know if he's going to be worth that that really early first round or even late first round pick that a lot of people are giving him. Well, uh, well said, first of all. And second, there's a lot to digest with what you said. And the, the gears in my mind are turning. So he burst onto the season in his rookie year. And, and last year was his sophomore season, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Right. So let's say, for the sake of the argument here, that his first season, it was a whirlwind. It was amazing. And he, was, he even was like, oh, my God, I'm playing out of my mind. I'm, everything's yeah. clicking. And then last season – he showed what, like what, let's say last season, he showed what his floor is, which, uh, which is a pretty damn good floor for a professional running back. So he burst onto the scene, right? And last year was his, was his floor. And in between last season and what we're going to see this season was, was his learning curve, right? He stumbled a little bit. He, he wasn't hitting on all cylinders, not like his, his uh, rookie season. And he, he's going to be able to put it all together uh, this coming season in, in 2020 and be the running back we all think he can be, which I personally think he's, he's a star. And uh, last season was more of a more of an outlier. It was a, a learning curve, let's say, because I've I've watched a lot of Elvin Kamara on tape because I, I've never owned Kamara, and but he still intrigues me, right? Mm-hmm. He's he's interesting. There's something about him, and uh, not to be rude to you, Cameron, I I don't agree with you when you say uh, maybe he's just going to be an okay quarterback. This kid is special. He does things that not a lot of people on earth let alone football players yeah. can do. Uh, I love the uh, I love the the pass catching and the way he can swing, you know, out or uh, you know on a like a, a halfback dive. Let's say right up, he can go between the tackles. He can take a ball on the outside on a wheel route for ninety yards for a touchdown. So uh, I firmly am on board with a Camara comeback season, if you want to call it that, because as it stands now, yeah. he's a top five pick. So it's either when it in terms of him, you're either in or you're out. You don't say, well, I don't know about Camara, but I'm going to draft him fourth overall. You're right. either in or you're out. And to me, I'm all in with Elvin this season. Yeah. Yeah. I can totally see that. He's, he, yeah. Uh, he's, he's, he's definitely a very, he's, he's very viable. And, and I'm, there's definitely emotional attachment to this one because he, he really made me kind of annoyed last season. But it's, it's very it's, so it's here's kind of hard to predict that one. So here's the thing. I want to tell you something, for something from experience real quick. You know, in all the years I've been playing fantasy football, I'm going to ask you, Cameron, ride it out. Ride that wave of emotion. Draft him yeah. again this year. No questions asked. You get the second, third overall pick, draft Kamara, and ride it out for worse or for better. Marry the guy. I'm, I'm being honest. I'm being serious with you. In terms, in terms of fantasy football, marry the guy, go all in with him, and ride that wave of emotion. To me, that's what fantasy football is all about. Yeah. Grab him, grab him, and then you're either going to live or you're going to die with him. You're going to have, like, the greatest success story of all time with Kamara. Or it's just going to fade away and you're going to be able to draft another guy in 10 years from now and tell the same story but fill in the blank with another guy. Draft him and ride it out, buddy. Yeah. (laughs) All right. But, yeah, speaking of Kamara two years ago, obviously a great breakout player that year. You got anyone this year who you're looking at as a breakout candidate? Yeah, absolutely. I have a few guys. Number one, uh, talk about wanting to marry someone. DK Metcalf in Seattle. The guy is fantastic. He came coming into the draft in a, during his rookie season. 
we all saw the picture of him. He looked like a superhero. He was in the yeah. gym, all yeah. you know, jacked up and everything. But he, he, he fell. I think he was drafted in the third round, maybe, 30, 32nd overall to Seattle. And then finally, they gave him some playing time. And in the phone call, and hopefully you guys have seen it, you know, on draft days at home on the couch, you know, uh, I think Dan something is the, the owner in Seattle. He goes, hey, let's put on Coach Pete Carroll. And Peach Carroll goes, Pete Carroll, not Peach. Pete Carroll uh, says, hey, you're going you're gonna to be in Seattle and you're going to have Russell Wilson throwing you footballs. And then he was fantastic last year with the, the limited amount of, of playing time that he received. And I say limited because he, he started off slow. And then when they got him in game action, he was fantastic. He's a big guy. He, he's strong. He can pull that ball away from you, and he doesn't care. He'll run over your grandma to get in that end zone. And that's that killer instinct that I love. So coming into the season, looking at his ADP, I think I, I have it written down at like 46, you know, so anywhere between like late fourth to early fifth round. And that's perfect for, you know, a breakout candidate. He's not, you know, I'm not going out on a limb and saying, oh, I got a guy who's, you know, you know, being drafted in the 19th, 20th round, who's right. going to break out. I would look silly. And you can't call it a breakout guy, you know, a 10th overall guy. So DK Metcalf is in that perfect, he's just lying in wait, right? Where we're going to draft him in the fourth or fifth round, our, our second wide receiver, you know, our team's wide receiver too. And he's just going to shoot to the top. And, and to me in Seattle, it's DK and it's not even close, you know, so, you, you know, you get, you know, you get hounded and, bit, you know, Tyler Lockett truthers. You're like, Oh my, you know, like, you know, it's DK Metcalf to me in Seattle. And my mm -hmm. second guy, which he, this guy's been popular. People have talked about him, but it, it, things have kind of cooled off with all the, uh, with all the Clyde Edwards talk and the rookie stuff, Ronald Johnson in, uh, in Tampa Bay, Rojo baby yeah. in, in, in Tampa Bay. So you got, it was everyone was like they wanted to stay away from him, you know, about a month or so. Why you would draft, you know, in in April or May is beyond me. A rookie draft, sure, but people are were shying away from him because Keyshawn Vaughn was in town. But Keyshawn Vaughn hasn't stepped on the field once because he's, I believe, he's been on the the uh, COVID IR exempt list. Don't know if he's sick or not, but he hasn't played. He hasn't practiced, and even if he does, it's still Rojo's. Uh, Rojo's backfield and I, I will I will die on that hill I firmly believe Rojo is going to be a fantastic running back this year we all know Tom Brady is the quarterback there you got Gronk you got two of the best uh, wide receivers in, in, in football with uh, Mike Evans and, and Chris Godwin there so Rojo is he's in a good spot and People will say I've I've had that argument with people where they're, they're, I I can't stand when people say oh there's too many mouths to feed that's it's lazy it's cliche it's just you know people say that in passing and in Tampa Bay there are a lot of people there who need the ball on a regular basis to put up points and numbers for us but I think that's perfect for a guy like Rojo who you have they stretch the field out with Evans and Godwin and Gronk I mean you know, good luck stacking the box with these guys. Either way, you're, you're either going to live and die with, with stacking the box or not. And long-term, I don't think people are going to blitz a lot on Tampa Bay. So it, everything's going to be wide open for Rojo. And I, he only needs, what, 10, 12, maybe 15 targets. I'm not even going to say carries, targets, targets and touches a game. 12 targets and touches a game, 100 yards and a touchdown. I'm saying 100 overall yards, both 
you know, receiving, right. receiving and, and rushing yards. So uh, I love Rojo and I love DK in Seattle, boys. Nice. I, 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 I like both those picks. Yeah, I think I like Ronald it. Jones, I was looking at pretty heavily when I was doing a mock draft last night. Ronald Jones was, he was falling into not late rounds, but mid to late rounds. And he's, he doesn't have a ton of, uh, a ton of that competition because Keyshawn Vaughn, he's a great player, but it's not going to be hard to kind of overtake him if Keyshawn Vaughn isn't showing out. And then when, when Ronald Jones had that kind of iffy poor season last year, when a lot of people thought he was going to, he was going to pop off, it, it means he's fallen a bit, a bit later this time. And I think with, with that new stacked offense and with the more opportunities he's going to be given, uh, I, I think he's he's going to be a fantastic player and a huge breakout candidate. Shout out to Rojo. We follow each other on Twitter. Oh, you really? No oh, way. That's a pretty big flex right there. <laughs> um, yeah, so for me, um, I know Cameron mentioned earlier, he doesn't like drafting rookies. Um, and this is sort of like a guy you can get super, super late, almost for free. Um, Joshua Kelly um, for the Chargers. Um, I just feel like Melvin Gordon leaving. I mean, they've obviously got Eckler there, um, but I feel like Eckler's not going to be able to take the entire workload, and Eckler's not necessarily a goal line guy. So I feel like a guy like Kelly, you can get a little later on, um, get you you know some touchdowns, and he could you know potentially break out. Um, and then my other guy sort of broke out a little bit last year, definitely improved big time. DJ Chark out of Jacksonville. I just feel like um, he's he's only going to get better. Minshew, I feel like, is only going to get better. Um, and I feel like he can really take that step forward and maybe maybe push top 15, top 10. Um, so, yeah, those are my two guys. I failed to mention Keyshawn Vaughn and I follow each other on Twitter, too. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, you have, you're, you're playing them against each other. I got the whole, I got the whole uh, Buccaneers backfield. Yeah. That's that's impressive, actually. Hey, next, next step he's is not, Brady. He's not verified yet, if I'm not mistaken, because oh, okay. I, uh, I, I believe we went back and forth, like in a in a thread. I think that's what it's called. And uh, he followed me. I followed him back, and and I looked, and that's I, I I dug deep, and that really is his. He's he's yet to be verified yet. So shout out to Keyshawn. I know so cool. I know it's coming, man. You get the little check mark. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, my my breakout candidates are first up. I have AJ Brown, the uh, the Titans receiver. He, I remember he started off kind of slow last season, and then towards the end, he I think last year was his rookie season. If, rookie season, Correct. if I'm not mistaken, Correct, and yeah. he he just went off. He Tannehill was obviously looking to him when he wasn't handing it off to to uh, Henry. And A.J. Brown was the evident wide receiver one for that team. And I think with, with the balance between running and passing, with the Derrick Henry being a very, very intense running threat and then not being able to, to focus too heavily on the passing game with, with that guy looking at him, A.J. Brown, I think, is a huge candidate to go off for another big season. And I think we've already seen what he can do, especially later in, in last season. I think A.J. Brown is a huge, huge candidate for a breakout season. Uh, my other guy, 
I have going is uh, Marquise Brown, the uh, the the Ravens I receiver. I think he has. I, I I think the Ravens roster in general is very 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 talented, and I think Marquise Brown could do a very very good job of being that deep threat that Lamar Jackson is always looking for. I remember I I started him because I forget why, but he was – I didn't want to start him that week, but I had to. And it was like the fourth week of the season when he went for like three touchdowns and like 200 receiving yards. And watching that game, it was just different. He he was a little bit inconsistent last season uh, with the Ravens still kind of figuring out that offense, that balance between the Lamar Jackson running game and the Lamar Jackson passing game, and then also where that fits the running backs in. But I think Marquise Brown has cemented himself in that organization. And I think since Lamar Jackson probably has a little bit more trust, a little bit more chemistry now with, with his receiving core, I think Marquise Brown could be a huge breakout candidate too. I love that one. That's fantastic. Nice. I just made a trade for uh, – I received Brown and Hardman in a deal during my, uh, my draft in that, my, that IDP PPR uh, dynasty league I was telling you about. And all I had to do was trade some picks. And uh, I don't know. I'll get back to you what the other portion was. But I, I got back Brown and Hardman, and I couldn't be more ecstatic because yeah. I, I, <clears throat> I own CMC too. So it's just – Oh, man. It's, it's a, but listen, I have – like I said, I told you I have uh, Watson, CMC, and Devontae Adams. I mean, that, mm. that was it on offense. I let my defense – uh, carry me in that league. Yeah. So now I've started to put uh, offensive pieces together and my defense has only gotten stronger uh, in the draft. I had uh, picked 12 and then 13 and I picked, a, I, I didn't even care about offense. I drafted Chase Young and Patrick Queen with those two picks. So oh, man. Oh, team's you're, looking you're strong back. this season. That is a good looking team. <laughs> yeah. I'll send, uh, remind me when we're done. I will, uh, I'll send you some screenshots of both my offense. Please. Yeah. In my defense, it's uh, it's fantastic. It's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. And and you mentioned the IDP, and if you could, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that because we we have never done one. I don't know if you've done one, Cam. And I've, I've never I've never done one of those individual defensive player. I I feel like it'd be a really fun thing to do. I've just never done it. Um, I just normally just do normal ESPN leagues. Um, but yeah. Um, you you do a lot of cheat sheets for the for the IDP. You, I know you sent me some, um, but yeah, what's what's IDP like? Oh, it's fantastic. I don't want to keep you here all night because that really gets my gets the juices flowing. Uh, I love IDP. I mean, I, I've long been carrying the IDP flag along with uh, a couple other guys. I'm not going to say I'm leading the charge because I'm happy to be lumped in with a group of guys that love IDP. And as you said, it's it's individual defensive player, and there's there's some leagues that are starting to, you know, dip their toes in there while you'll, while you have, you know, your full offense. And then you'll have a couple IDP flex guys where you can, you know, grab a couple linebackers or, or a safety. And to me, that's fine. I mean, I'm not going to disparage anybody who wants to get into, you know, rostering some, some defensive players, <clears throat> let's say, but, uh, Sorry for a second, I believe. So I, I don't want to disparage people when they want to get into IDP, but the only way for me to play is just a full-blown full blown defense. You know, three linebackers, two safeties, two cornerbacks, a defensive tackle, two DNs, and, and go from there. It, 
it brings another uh, form of excitement to the game where you're not just watching the quarterbacks and the running backs per week. You're watching the guys in the trenches like Cameron Hayward in, in Pittsburgh or Mike Purcell, uh, defensive tackle in Denver. You know, you're watching these guys just, just go nuts and linebackers and tackles and they're flying around. It's just fantastic. Aside from dynasty baseball, where I, where I can roster like 30, you know, prospects and minor league guys, my, this IDP roster I play in is the most fun I've ever had uh, playing, uh, playing any sort of, of fantasy sports. So I implore you guys, you know, get involved, get into it. Uh, I'm not going to, you know, put you down or make fun. If you want to just maybe get a couple uh, defensive flex spots to start, but uh, maybe get long, maybe try and transition long-term to a, a full-blown IDP league. It's uh, it's fantastic. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of fun. Like a lot, a lot of fun. Yeah, you mentioned you got Chase Young. I mean, I'm a I'm a Washington fan, so that'd Washington. be super cool to get. Um, I also own Darius Leonard in that league too. He's the consensus number one overall yeah. uh, IDP Darius. guy. They call him the Maniac. I mean, he's he's scary. You know, he's yeah. like uh, he's like Michael Myers on the field. You know, that guy <laughs> in Halloween with the. I mean, he's just yeah, yeah, yeah. he's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, so we talked a lot about fantasy. Um, I guess we can sort of transition just a quick snippet. Um, do you have a Super Bowl pick? I know it's super early. A lot can change. I know you're probably a Lions guy. Yeah. I don't they have a shot, but you got you to gotta pick? Well, jokingly, about, I would say, two months ago, kiddingly, I said, well, I think my Super Bowl is going to be the Lions versus the New York Jets. And people were laughing and <laughs> – and, and out in, it, it's picked up steam now where every time I see, you know, one of those uh, questions on Twitter, I say, you know, the Jets <laughs> and the Lions. The so, right. <laughs> I, I'm not going to – I'm not going back now. I would look like a, a, a dummy. So, the Lions and the Jets. You know, yes. it's, it's, it's one it. of those – it's one of those Power. situations – one of those situations where, you know, in every – regular everyday life people you know they cut out the, a car that they want and they put it on a board or you know a yeah. hot, like manifest you know your destiny oh so yeah yeah, yeah. I, i'm okay. I, i'm saying it out loud and i'm putting it out there in the world you know the, the jets will play the lions in the super bowl i, I respect the 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 grind that you're doing hey if, if, if they win the super bowl this year you're gonna have to get a ring Right. Absolutely. You're gonna yeah. have to. I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna have to spend some time going back through all these videos and editing, cutting them up, and yeah. screenshotting my comments on Twitter. But uh, the Lions win the Super Bowl. That, that would be the least of my worries. <laughs> That's true. Uh, if I had my Super Bowl pick, it's gonna be kind of hard for me to to not choose a rematch of last season, just because both of those teams seem so dominant in their in their conferences um so I'm, I'm gonna switch it up a little bit i think we're gonna we're gonna assume it's not the niners or the chiefs because that's boring i yeah. think i'm gonna go i'm gonna go ravens and then i'm gonna go uh saints oh my you stole mine cameron <laughs> the saints the saints are equally as boring. Hate to hate they're, to break the news. So the problem with the Saints is they have betrayed me so often. Last year they were my pick to go to the Super Bowl and lose to the Chiefs, and they went out in the first round. And they they did that like two years ago as well. And they always betray me whenever I pick them. And when I don't pick them, they do well. 
So this season, I'm just so going to stick them. by them. No, I'm going to stick by them. I'm going to stick by them. Like, just like you. I've, I've had in the last two seasons to do well. Just, just like your advice on, uh, on Alvin Kamara. I'm going to stick by the Saints. I'm going to believe in them this time. And if Drew Brees messes this up for me again, I'm going to – nothing, I guess. I have no power. But Yeah, I have no power. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. that uh, – like the Lord of the Rings theme. You're, you're mad yeah, yeah, yeah. no power here. Well, I hope it has power. <laughs> Evidently not. Um, yeah, I mean, I, that's sort of what I was going to go with, but I'll change it up just to be different. I, I think I mentioned this on a previous podcast. Uh, I'm actually a big fan of the Bills this year um, with Josh <laughs> Allen getting better, um, Stephon Diggs coming in. I mean, that defense. So, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll take the Bills. I'll, I'll stick with it. I know Cameron was giving me a lot of crap. I'm a Patriots like fan. It. I'm a Patriots fan, so there's yeah, that much. That's true. I, you got to hate the Bills. I, I mean, the Bills' defense is insane. There's no it's question really about that. Oh, yeah. I just – I'm worried about picking an unproven quarterback to go to the Super Bowl. It's true. Here's, a, here's the thing real quick. So, did, so. You know, uh, a defense like Buffalo, they can carry that team and that franchise yeah. given the fact that they play in Buffalo. So half their games <laughs> true. are in Buffalo – in it, you know, they play eight away and eight home. So I would say six of their eight home games are going to be in cold. It's going to be cold. It's going to be snowy. It's going to be absolutely ridiculous. And a defense yeah. like that has a huge, huge um, yeah. helping hand. Totally agree. Um, so one thing we, we, we do at the end of um, podcast, usually we have a little segment, random rankings you didn't know you needed. Um, so our, our little segment today is the top five athletes born in August. Um, so it, I, I was looking at this. There's actually some, some pretty decent guys. It's, it's a nice lineup. So, yeah. So my number five guy, Wilt Chamberlain. Um, you know, stud. Obviously, stud, yeah. Number four, Magic. I got a lot of basketball players on here. Yeah, his um, was Friday, 61. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, third, um, Michigan State guy, sorry to cut you off. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Tom Brady. I know Cameron has a little uh, vendetta against against Brady. Um, I thought you were gonna say Tom Brady. Cameron has a little. Uh, what, what do they call that? <laughs> like a little. Uh, what, what do they call that? Like a not a uh, memorial, but uh. Oh, like in memoriam. No, where you have candles and and like a oh, lock of his yeah. hair and everything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be against it. I would now. He's rest in peace, Tom Brady. <laughs> um, my number two guy, we talked about him earlier, best player on the planet, Mike Trout. He's an August guy. And number one, right. um, rest in peace, Kobe. Yeah. When was I his think, birthday? A few um, days ago. I'm going to look it up right now. It was, it was pretty recently, yeah. Oh, real quick, uh, it's not off subject, but I saw really right before we went live, but just uh, – looking for your message and the link right and someone i i think it was like uh some 16 year old kid on his twitter said i would take uh curry in golden state over kobe any day and he listed off like 15 or 16 different stats where curry was better than kobe and i was like okay oh. right and then i went in the comment section and this kid was absolutely torn apart like i'm saying a lot oh, of it wasn't man. well. A lot of it wasn't nice, and it oh, wasn't PG. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, 
it's they're very I kind of I feel bad I kind of almost want to agree with him I'm being honest here that's that, that's, that, a, that's a conversation gonna, for a different time I'm but, gonna dissociate myself with you in this podcast then because you're gonna get eaten alive man it's no, I, I, no, I, I understand the what I'm putting myself up for. Okay, I understand what I just said. You are a big curry guy, though. But it, it depends. It depends on the era we're playing in. If we're playing in Kobe's era, I take Kobe. If we're playing in the like now, I, I take, take Curry. No, I take Curry. It's a different. But that I understand what you're saying, but that's a, different play styles. I understand what you're saying, but that's a never-ending argument, right? No, it is. It's, it doesn't have possibilities right? in there. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, I'll, I'll give you I'll give you my August birthday list. Uh, first off, is an honorable mention. Edger and James is my honorable mention. Great running back. My mom loves him. Not sure why. Um, How does your mom know? What? She always wants to take him in fantasy football, and I need to remind her every year that he doesn't play anymore. He retired twenty years ago, mom. Yeah, it's 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 strange. She 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 likes Edger and James. Uh, number five, I have Trout. I just there's lots of a uh, emotional connection to Trout than there is anyone else. Um, four, I have Brady. If you asked me last year, Brady's the number one, but stuff has happened. He hurt your feelings, yeah. He did hurt my feelings, and there was <laughs> show, no one to show me on this doll where Tom Brady hurt you, Cameron. <laughs> <laughs> Everywhere. <laughs> Everywhere. <laughs> Uh, number three, <laughs> number three, I have Kobe, uh, RIP, one of the all-time greats. Number two, I have Wilt, because I think Wilt gets disrespected a lot. I, people forget that he scored a hundred in one game. He's, and how many women has he ran through? That, that was, that's public <laughs> record, I think. Thousands, Honestly, right? Yeah. All, like, uh, Gene Simmons from Kiss. <laughs> he also I like I I remember hearing stories of Will where he he like he like go to a building one day, he'd be like, oh, I don't nah, I'm bored with scoring sixty game. I'm just gonna go for the the league lead in assists and then he'd go in and he'd drop like thirty assists a game. He'll just he just win assists that year. And then at the top I have magic. I'm I'm a big Larry Bird guy and mm-hmm. they were they were pretty good friends. I like magic is funny. I think watching interviews with I think watching interviews with him, uh, usually watching him do commentary, I, is always entertaining slash informative. So you gotta love magic. Then that's my top five plus Edger and James. Fun fact about magic: he uh, he buys Starbucks coffees. You know, not not the actual physical coffee, but he bid the businesses. He just buys oh, he, them. He just like owns franchises. He owns franchises. <laughs> oh just such an them. interesting. Like business to go into. I wonder what his inspiration behind that. Yeah, I don't know. Money. It's got to be lucrative. People love uh, oh, Starbucks yeah. coffee. I've always been more of a Dunkin' Donuts. He guy. is a big Dunkin' guy. A big Dunkin' um, guy. And then I guess uh, one one more thing. Um, if you're up for it, um, we we also we like to talk about music uh, on this podcast. Cameron specifically is really big into music. Um, so has there been anything recently um, that you've been really into uh, music-wise? I don't know if you listen to a lot of music. Yeah. Um, when in my car, I have Sirius Satellite Radio. So when I'm in my car, it's, it's Howard Stern 24-7 for me, <laughs> okay. right? Even like when we get off this broadcast, I'm sitting in front of my, my computer 
I just, I listen to Howard Stern, old YouTube clips with Artie and Eric the Midget, you know, Google them if you don't yeah. know that. Yeah. But every yeah. once in a while I'll, I'll, you know, I'll sync up my phone uh, to my car and I just run through kind of the newer stuff. Um, I've been listening to a lot of uh, Eminem's uh, music to be murdered by is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. And in yeah. turn, it, it, it's, uh, I, I got into some Juice World, his newest album, uh, Legends Never Die, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I've had, uh, I think it's called Righteous is the song. I've had that on, on heavy rotation recently. Mm -hmm. And it's just, you know, knowing that he died and how he died and, and the, the music, you know, his past posthumously or however you say it, yeah. album. A lot of these songs were, you know, he was talking about doing prescription pills and, you know, drinking codeine. And if I'm not mistaken, that's how he died. So um, yeah. it's just, it, it, it's really weird. You know, you get in a weird place when you're listening to it, knowing, you know, it's kind of like, if I only, you know, knowing what I know now, well, we know now what happened yeah. and then mm -hmm. he's here, you know, telling us, to, us about it. And I've also gotten into some, uh, Joyner Lucas is fantastic. That's I great. just got, uh, I just read that he, his album Isis went platinum last week. And again, in turn, it turned me on to uh, Logic and uh, Under Pressure is a good song. It's like yeah. 12 minutes long. Yeah, that's, that's a good a jam. So song. that's where I'm at with my, what I've been uh, listening to in my music. Yeah. Uh, look up uh, Joyner Lucas Lotto. That's one of my favorite songs right Lotto? now. Lotto? All right. Yeah. For sure. Look into it. Um, yeah, we're definitely big Logic fans here as well. We love his, 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 new his, new, his newer album is fantastic. So good. Um, but my guy, um, he just released an album. Um, my guy's Amine. Um, he, I think his album was called Limbo. Um, and I think this really should be his sort of breakthrough album because he's, he's lesser known. He's not one of the big guys, but this album is just ridiculous. I liked, you know, almost all of it. Um, limbo um i'm more into the uh like r&b rap jazzy sort of rap and that's what this guy does so i really liked uh his new album yeah you don't strike me as a f the police kind of kind of guy <laughs> the, 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 uh, me? snoop dogg style <laughs> yeah <laughs> my uh, my recommendation is i've been on a huge kid cuddy tear recently um his his first two albums man on the moon one and two are some of the the best albums I've ever heard. If you want to talk about like that weird, like hypnotic psychedelic-ish. Yeah, of hip hop. You you gotta listen to, to those two albums. I, I, I kinda like his older stuff more so than his newer stuff. His newer stuff is it like it goes from being it's it becomes a, a lot more abstract as it goes on. Um and it's like that's obviously some people like that and not not this that style of music it's just it's a little bit too abstract for me but i think man on the moon one and two are both like really good mixes of like abstract along with kind of like the same standard like it still sounds good um and he does a really cool mix of melodic stuff and he infuses rock and hip-hop really well um if you're trying to get into him Obviously, you probably guys, you guys probably know the the pursuit of happiness and day and night. Those are both Kid Cudi off of his first album. Mm -hmm. uh, Erase Me has Kanye West, and that's a fantastic song. Um, and then Mr. Rager is a really if it's really trippy. You gotta listen to the words, and the music video is also insane. Um, I write it down right now. Yeah, Mr. Rager and Erase Me both come off of Man on the Moon too. Mm -hmm. So, Kid Cudi is fantastic. 
Real quick, Cameron, while you mentioned Kid Cudi, what do you think about him and Eminem's recent collaboration? I the Adventures so, of Moon Man and Slim. I'm so I'm, glad you brought that up. I'm hoping that there'll be a, a like a, a whole full-blown collaboration on I the album. loved that song. And I know Max didn't like it too much. I have a few other friends who whenever I talked to didn't like it. It seemed like a lot of people weren't huge fans of it. I loved it. The lyricism I thought was insane. And the beat was a bit simplistic, but like the way they used it, like I feel like the beat was simplistic because they wanted you to be listening to the words more so. And they even say that like, y'all don't listen to the words in the song. I think that was the Kid Cudi verse. Mm -hmm. So I thought it was a great song. His, I really hope to become like a full on collaboration duo. Mm -hmm. We, if, I don't know if you listened to his collaboration album with Kanye West, uh, Kid I did not. Ghost. Kids See Ghosts, I think, is one of, I think it's probably a top 10, 15 album of all time um, in, in terms of hip hop. Um, and if, if that is any indicator of how well he'll do with Eminem, I would love to see them together. Yeah. Tell me both. Yeah. I mean, for me, like the lyrics were really good. I'll give them that. But I don't know. The beat was just a little too simplistic for, for my taste. Um, I, I really... Focus, like I, I played the drums in high school, so I really, really focus on the beat when I'm listening to music. Um, but you know, it, they're both really talented, and I think if they collabed, it'd be a really, really uh, great experience for both of them. Yep. Um, but yeah, I think that sort of wraps it up. Um, we really, really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on. It was a, a really cool Thanks for having me. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, nor it's normally one of those unexpected things because, uh, again, I'm not trying to be, I don't want to be that guy, but, you know, I'm doing a podcast almost every, like guest spots and, mm -hmm. you know, because right. that's just how the, the community ha is, you know, mm -hmm. it's very, mm -hmm. very supportive everyone wants to work with one another. So, you know, almost every day or every night, you know, I I'm with somebody else, you know, doing a, a collaboration or, you know, just like yeah. a guest spot or even on mm -hmm. radio shows in, in Denver and in here locally in Detroit. And I got to say, I'm surprised this, not surprised, but this was fantastic. And I, I appreciate the, uh, uh, what's the, like the, the creativity was just, it was never stifled. Right. You know, I had yeah. got, you gave me, you know, we had full reign and we can, you know, say mm -hmm. whatever we wanted. There wasn't mm -hmm. like a, a rigid schedule, right? Because mm -hmm. we've all done stuff like that before where yeah. it just sucks. It sucks the fun and the spontaneity out of it. And it's just, it's not, it's not fun. I would have probably shown myself out 10, 15 minutes in, but <laughs> yeah. uh, thanks for having me. Thanks yeah, for reaching course. out. Thank you so much uh, for coming on. Oh, absolutely. Anytime, anytime you, you, you send me a message and I'm there. Awesome. awesome. All right. Thank you guys for listening. All right. Thank you guys.